For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Always remember what Thomas Jefferson said: "Kill the president." Well this is a special of Focus, non-terminal repeating fantasm. I know a motherfucking Bigfoot when I see one. Or a class five full roaming vapor. Oh shit! Those are aliens. You know, ex-Special Forces operative Stephen King. He was healing all my mom. Huh? <laughs> Welcome to Podcasts Where well, Maybe I. Like, it's rare for, like, bad anime to be, like, so bad it's good. Well, yeah, I was about to ask you, like, just off the top of your head, if I said pick this low-budget, so bad it's good uh, horror, there's a million things people can write sure. off the top of their yeah. head. But if I were to say yeah. to you right now, John, what's a really good misguided production of a low-budget anime film that's so unintentionally bad it's fucking, it reaffirms your belief in the good of mankind? Kisses. Uh, you know what? There is one. M.D. Geist. <laughs> Most dangerous guys. <laughs> the opening, the opening guys. theme is this absolutely ridiculous, like '80s power ballad that takes up like three minutes of like this 50-minute short film. The whole movie is basically like just a shitty Schwarzenegger vehicle in animated form, and it has like barely any plot. And the ending is just a complete non-ending. And the animation ranges from, like, okay to fucking awful, and it's... John, what's it called? M.D. Geist. Hey, it's M.D. Dice. I'm a fucking anime. <laughs> I <guess. laughs> it, but it's just fun to laugh at how stupid and over-the-top it is. Good. Hey, who's a teenage boy who also moonlights as a demon hunter? This guy. <laughs> like, half of every, like, Shonen Jump title. I'm an oversexed teenage girl who also turns into a giant robot. Hey! <laughs> hey, I need no. you, Serena, I need you to get in there clean up all after your cats. You know, you keep bringing all these <laughs> straight cats. Oh, wait, wait. wait, could you imagine Dice in a fucking anime, though? Like, seriously, you'd be like, hey, look, I'm fucking Chinese now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining Dice in one of those high action scenes. He's like, I'm over here. No, I'm over here now. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of Dice in famous anime moments. Could you imagine Dice in fucking Metal Gear Solid? Hey, call that fucking octagon guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? This plot is too convoluted. Yeah, I feel like after a while he wouldn't say anything. He just made like exasperated confusion. Oh, that, that guy's a vampire, some shit. I'm done here. Look at oh. me. I'm sneaking over here. Now I'm sneaking over here now. <laughs> he just walks into like the end of Akira and he just looks up and goes, Whoa, that's a fat piece of shit. Hey, Tetsuo, <laughs> you son of a bitch. There's a subway commercial embedded in the uh, ending of Akira and I will find it. <laughs> what? You can make, somehow you can make, you can. <laughs> what? What about him in Evangelion? <laughs> 
I'm fighting a big triangle. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm fighting a big triangle. <laughs> hey, what would be funnier? Andrew Dice Claname or Japan Drew Dice Clay? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Welcome to another edition of Podcast 1289. I'm one of your many hosts. I'm Jesse. Tonight, we've got Dan in the house. Hey, everybody. We've got Homestyle Mike. <laughs> Mike has just passed me a note. It says from now on he will only answer in throat clears. <laughs> oh, that's going to be tough. That's going to be great for your Tibetan throat singing career. We can work through this together as a family. We've come this far. And this hard. Also with us tonight, we've got everybody's favorite nihilist. We've got John. Uh, hi, I'm actually like 12 tiny Eugene Thackers in a rubber suit. <laughs> I knew it all along. I gotta say, this is one of my favorite running bits. <laughs> I'm actually afraid to keep encouraging this bit because I have a feeling one of these days John is just gonna hit the ceiling of shocking things to say. And he's just gonna like reach his fucking arm behind his shoulder and throw down a whole dead body onto the table and just go, there. <laughs> do you guys ever think that, uh, do you guys ever think that John's just a human numbers station? <laughs> I got really stoned one time, and I was thinking, like, of all, like, the different, like, ways I depicted you guys, like, and, like, Grant, like, I depicted as, like, like, he's holding, like, a Four Loco in, like, one of those propaganda-type magazines. Uh, Dan, I, I depicted him, him, like, in the forest, like, frolicking, eating, like, fucking, like, spiced wines and, like, one of those Dionysus scenes. <laughs> Jesse, uh, like, he's on a typewriter with, like, pentagrams in his eyes. But, uh, <laughs> Delarosa, I imagined him, like, He's just sitting in his computer with, like, these biomechanical, like, tendrils just coming out of his mouth. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, that was my Nick Land phase. What to do if your child is going through a Nick Land phase. An ABC Afternoon Special. Also with us tonight, coming at you straight from the gas station, we've got Grant. I'm the people's commissar of the gas station. <laughs> Don't turn around! <laughs> Don't turn around. Is that song a warning? It's what you shout at Harry Dean Stanton every time he dies an alien. <laughs> every time. You're like, Repo Man, no. Oh, God. You know, I watched Repo Man last Fucking Thanksgiving, brain. and I think I'm going to do it again this Thanksgiving. That movie was the most L.A. movie I've ever watched. And lastly, broadcasting live from the mailroom of a high-powered firm somewhere where the Illuminati certainly lives. Manhattan? We've got Dylan. No, quite far from Manhattan. No, I bet no. they're based in, like, oh, LA. it's too obvious. I don't know. I feel like they're in, like, Rome or something. Like, they're neighbors with the Vatican. I think, like, the Illuminati, like, gets up to go get their mail from the mailbox, and they look over and wave. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. We're evil. Especially Pope Francis. Like, Pope Francis just takes out his Walther, and he goes, no, Bill, not today. So, Dan... What are we talking about tonight? Ufology. Oh, I love ufology. Thank you for adopting that. <laughs> oh, ufo. That's not how you say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I see some ufos. Is that is that it? Ufology? Am I saying that right? No, yeah, it's yeah, ufology. Are. No, it isn't. It's ufology. No, it's not. The UFO community is kind of split in half. One half says UFO, and the other half, to be total, insufferable fucking nerds insist to call... I'm actually... It's called UFO. Oh... <laughs> 
It really should be UFOology. It's still dumb either way. You know when you're like really terribly nerdy and you realize, you know, I've always been into some like off the wall shit, but you know, I got social skills and I try not to push my shit on someone who I feel like isn't feeling it. Like I remember sitting in class in like high school and like just one of the manga kids was just talking to me and I just remember <laughs> being like, God, I want to kick your ass so bad. <laughs> you are 18 and you have like the mental capacity like the social skills of like someone who was half your age you ridiculous so you human. see in this book like Hideki he is like he's like a college student and like nothing is going good for him so what he does is like he, in this universe there are these things that are like robots but they're like really pretty ladies it's not then, that it's just like then they're like, socially awkward to the point of being kind of lightly mean like you know you try to be nice to someone <laughs> and then someone's kind of a weird prick to you I remember once I was in a comic book shop with my girlfriend she was real polite to some fucking neck beard and he was a total dick to her and I was like you motherfucker one <laughs> this is the only time you leave your house all month so I get that you have some kind of fucking like lack of social skills but just I don't understand it you know just because someone's awkward it doesn't mean they're nice the moral of this story. Very true. Jesse, what the fuck were we talking about? UFOlogy? We were talking about ufology. Not Rob. Yeah. A palindrome of Bolton would be not Rob. That was actually clever. Well done. So anyway, going back to it, the school's of thought for ufology or ufology, the study of UFOs. Ufology. Um, yes, that's the most correct way to say that. Um, they're like, obviously it's rampant with fraud. Like, what? <laughs> <You> sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's people out there that are like, I'm going to figure a way to make a buck on this. And good for them, honestly. But what hey, there are the- worse ways to make a living. That's for yeah. Sure. You could be a senator. Exactly. Sure. You could be a man that beats the elderly to death for a living. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Beating <laughs> the elderly to death. Is that a thing? Well, I'm sure Milo Yiannopoulos would probably do it if he thought it would offend somebody. So moving along. So anyway, uh, one well-known grifter, if you will, was oh, George geez, Adamski. He's his reputation already. This is in no <laughs> way fair and balanced, Dan. What kind of fucking hit job podcast do you think this is? <laughs> Sickening. Sad, even. I believe the proper term is flimflam man. <laughs> flimflam man. Uh, uh, flimflam man. Isn't uh, that a Mega Man boss? <laughs> I'm a flimflam man. Um, man of disputed integrity, George Adamski. Is it Adamski or Adamski? I'm saying Adamski. Um, Adamski is better because it reminds because me of Polish. Polish. So George Adamski uh, was born in what is now Poland at the time. It was uh, the German Empire. This is in 1891. And then uh, two years later, his family emigrated to the U.S. And eventually, like, his family moved to New York City. Remember when you could be an immigrant in this country and just stay in New York City when you get here instead of being shuffled off to the fucking ghetto or the trailer park? Well, sure, until, you know, the nativists get you. And they'll get you. Oh, yeah. I remember in high school when my history teacher showed us Gangs of New York, He, uh, you remember the scene where the people are just getting off the boat and some rando in the crowd goes, go back to Ireland, you dumb mick! And he throws a rock and it beans a guy right in the head. It's an old my history teacher face. played that for us a good five or six times and he laughed harder every time. 
Oh, really like his life before he moved to the West Coast was pretty uneventful. He got married in 1917 and then moved west. Uh, he did some work in Yellowstone National Park. He worked at a flour mill in Oregon and then eventually settled in a concrete factory in California. It was Grant's dad. <laughs> My pop. Pop up. Shout out to Grant's dad. Yay. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I guess that still counts. We have room for the wholesome on here, Dan. Do we? Do your job. Hashtag do your job. Jesse, put that on the podcast. I love my dad. I'll put that on the podcast. Your dad's cool. <laughs> you never met my dad. No, but you tell me cool stories about him. Oh, he is a cool guy. Uh, anyway. Don't listen to your son. He tried to discredit my compliment. Fuck him. I wasn't discrediting that compliment. I knew it was true. Shut up, Grant. You should be ashamed of yourself on this Father's Day, which was a week ago, but still. And when this will air will probably be a month ago. This will be like two months from now. What kind of son are you trying to derail Father's Day shoutouts? Carry on, Daniel. So really, this whole thing didn't really pick up until the early 30s while living in Laguna Beach. He founded the Royal Order of Tibet, which he served as a philosopher and a teacher at this temple. And the order was actually given a special license from the government to uh, make wine for, quote, religious purposes during prohibition. He was allowed to make and consume alcohol. And he was later quoted saying that he made enough wine for all of Southern California and he was making a fortune. But... Of course, after the Volstead Act was repealed, this took a hit to his profits, once again proving that prohibition does not work. Yeah, man, I tell you, these religious foundations, they do take a real hit in the profits on occasion. <laughs> so um, once he ended up getting out of the winemaking business, he later told two of his friends that he had to, quote, get into this saucer crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of getting into the saucer crap. Man, who isn't? So he kind of became like a minor figure in the California occult scene, sort of teaching his own personal mixture of Christianity. A lot of people... And- in the California cult scene. <laughs> yeah, and let me tell you, you slap Tibet on something and people will just eat that shit up. Yeah, so he taught his own personal mixture of Christianity with parts of Buddhism slapdashed in there, and Buddha. he named it, it what? I thought you, I heard you say Buddha. <laughs> I did, I hope you didn't catch that. Let me try it again. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I love Temple of Buddha. <laughs> I heard myself say that. I was like, just keep going. <laughs> Buddha, 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 rocking everywhere. <laughs> uh, so he was teaching his own personal mixture of Christianity with parts of Buddhism slapdashed into it, um, which he named Universal Progressive Christianity and Universal Law. Of um, did Grant just shut down? Sorry. <laughs> Daisy. Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, in the 1940s, after the Prohibition thing happened, he and his wife moved with some friends to a ranch near Palomar Mountain in San Diego, where they spent their time studying, like, religion, philosophy, and farming, which later led to them purchasing 20 acres nearby, and they built a campground called Palomar Gardens, as well as a small restaurant called Palomar Gardens Cafe. So, I don't know what their Yelp reviews are like, but... (laughs) Ah, that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I was expecting somebody to go on with that, but... I know where it did go, straight into the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he often gave lectures, sometimes going late into the night, just, like, feeding these stories to the general rude public, if you will. That's his philosophy nice. of religion. I don't like this guy at all. I don't know if you can tell me tell that or not. <laughs> just because he's a horrible con artist? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's shitty to fuck with people, you know? <laughs> 
It's true. And get money for it. Anyway, so he then built a conservatory and gave the false impression that he was actually an astronomer connected with the Palomar Observatory, which was nearby, which he only corrected if asked about it. <laughs> like, oh, well, that kicked out of the bar right there. Yeah. So you're actually a lawyer? Now that you've asked, my answer is different. <laughs> 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 anyway, moving along. He also was frequently referred to as professor by his followers. Did he have any sort of accreditation, credentials, degrees? <laughs> no. Of course not. That's what happened with Professor Longhair. Is that your cat? No, Professor Longhair um, <laughs> did get a degree. That was good. I like he that. does have long hair, and he does have a degree. I remember one time, me, Grant, and Roach were walking out of somewhere, like a restaurant or something, and we walked into the parking lot, and there's a car with the window cracked open, and there's a fucking cat sitting in it and roach looks at it and goes what's that cat doing there cat get out of there you can't drive and grant just goes yeah that cat doesn't have insurance <laughs> <laughs> hey there 1289ers it's rob in here you come in no oh, i'm glad you're here though got a few things i want to talk about real quick first we have a patreon if you like the show and want to help keep it going we would really appreciate anything you could contribute. Even as little as a dollar a month helps us keep this show going and keep it free for you guys. We've got all kinds of awesome rewards like buttons, getting to request topics, and dark secrets. Special thanks to Shannon K, Kate N, Matthew W, Kathleen LH, Joe K, and Jamie F. Also special thanks to artists Ben Kepley and Molly Mercy for the art they've provided for our Patreon rewards and for our podcast. We also have a movie we are making called Homecoming, where we're going to a bunch of haunted-ass sites in New Jersey. You can contribute to that on Indiegogo if you'd like. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast1289. And again, thanks. Oh yeah, one last thing. How'd you get into my apartment? I'm 100% certain that my door is locked right now. Please leave. God freaking me out. So, uh, yeah, he was basically just lying to these people, building up his reputation as someone in this field. So early October of 46, Adamski and several of his students claimed to have witnessed a large cigar-shaped mothership. And so a few months later, in 47, they had a photograph of cigar ships crossing the moon in front of Palomar Gardens, insisting these were the same ones from the year prior. This actually became one of the first widely publicized UFO sightings in the U.S. And that evening, he later claimed to have seen 184 UFOs pass over Palomar Gardens in that one evening. 184, like, distinct things? 184 unidentified flying objects. Just pass over oh, his so. gardens. Could he see him with the naked eye, or did he need the uh, telescope? I'm sure he was using the... He had, like, a six-inch telescope that he would use. Yeah, because uh, I've so. seen some of this guy's uh, photos. Yeah, I, I don't perceive more than, like, a couple things at most. And those things look an awfully lot like smudges on a camera lens. Yeah, he's no Ansel Adams, that's for sure. Ansel Adams-ski. Oh, shit! <laughs> Mind equals blown. <laughs> so, in 49, he uh, started a lecture circuit, which he requested funds for and was paid for, where he made, you know, the general crackpot claims, like, government's hiding aliens or whatnot, like, basically just recycled into Area 51 and then... Wait, the, this was in the so 30s? On, so on. 49. Oh, so this was post-Roswell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He also claimed that government and science as one had established that aliens existed two years prior. And uh, then Obama and- took the government and science. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Fuck you, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> 
need validation from you? So, yeah, he claimed the government and science had established the existence of aliens two years prior via radar tracking of a 700-foot-long spacecraft on the other side of the moon. Um, Jesse, what? what was space tech like in the late 1940s? Uh, a soda bottle, water, and vinegar. <laughs> and baking soda. Yo, I'm gonna let you know that, uh, we can't see what's going on on the other side of the moon right now. <laughs> well, we can. We can send a probe there. We would not get the images back in real time because the signal is blocked. By the moon. Yeah. You know, the more you peel back this fascination with, like, what's on the other side of the moon? And I'm like, it's more rocks. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think you're gonna find? The space jockey ship there? And you're gonna bring back a xenomorph? So after his lecture circuit, um, he further claimed that, uh, you know, science knows that all the planets in the solar system are inhabited. Um, and he had photos of the surface of Mars that proved that the canals were man-made by intelligent creatures surpassing anything on Earth. Basically, he just made a lot of really strong claims and not much to back it up. Sorry, but he claimed that in part, like among many other things, that uh, he had contact, like personal contact with yeah. extraterrestrials right yeah he's actually known as like one of the world's most famous quote contactees is what they call people that have been abducted by aliens so the story goes on november 20th and 52 adamski and several of his friends sailed the ocean blue <laughs> sorry uh we're in the colorado desert when they purportedly there's saw a desert it. in colorado yes <laughs> yeah, that's actually kind of a good question is there oh in like southern colorado right i mean yeah Sure. That's a weird state. Like, they have, like, high elevation with snow-peaked mountains and a desert. You can be a high elevation desert. Yeah, but you can't have snow in the desert. Sure you can. There's snow deserts. What? Yeah. No, no, there can't be a snow desert. A desert is just where there's no water. It just doesn't have to be hot. Like the Gobi I'm Desert. Sorry, no, the, yeah, the Gobi Desert. Yeah, it, there can be a cold desert. Is really yeah. you're, thinking I mean. of, you're thinking cold. of a tundra. No, yeah. no, yeah. Well, yeah, but I guess what I was trying to say is there can be a cold desert. This conversation's fucking stupid. Moving along. Yeah, goddamn. Um, um, they're in the fucking desert. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the sun sucks. <laughs> yeah. You need to put like a 7-Eleven out here. So they were in desert center, California. Yeah. When they said they saw a large submarine shaped object hovering in the sky and believing that the, the ship was looking for him, Atomsky is said to have left his friends and, uh, ran towards it. <laughs> Uh, shortly afterwards, hey boys, I'm back. <laughs> shortly afterwards, according to uh, his own account, a scout ship made of a type of translucent metal landed close to him, and the pilot, a Venusian called Orthon, Ooh, so someone Orthon. from the planet of Venus. Um, you ever notice how uh, aliens never have uh, other names? This is one name. It's never like Orthon Jones. <laughs> oh, they all have mononyms? Yeah, they're all like Madonna and Bono. It, it's to help their careers. Or Twiggy. The aliens have phenomenal agents. They're all with William Morris. I mean, yeah. I really like how, incidentally, it's Venus. Like, we know now, and I, maybe we didn't know when like, exactly when this was done. Like, Venus is our sister planet, right? That means it can support life, right? No, it has clouds made of fucking acid. Yeah, it rains like... Nothing's uh, on Venus. It it rains sulfur, doesn't it? It rains sulfuric acid, as far as I know. It Maddox school bosses taught me anything. Technically, Venus is the hottest planet because of the runaway greenhouse gas effect. So Orthon got out of the ship and came towards him, which Adamski claimed that the people with him also saw the ship. And several of them later said that they could see Adamski meeting somebody in the desert, although from a considerable distance. Orthon was described as 
being a medium-height humanoid with long blonde hair and tan skin wearing reddish-brown boots. Um, though, as Adamski what added... What were the boots his, made of? Alien cow leather? <laughs> <laughs> He also said that his, quote, trousers were not like mine, saying that Orthon communicated with him via telepathy and through hand signals. I think it was the trousers. So during the conversations, Orthon tried to warn him of the dangers of nuclear war. And Adamski later wrote that the presence of this inhabitant of Venus was like warm energy of great love and understanding wisdom. Um, he also claimed that Orthon refused outright to have any part of him photographed. And <laughs> instead, he asked Adamski to provide him with a blank photograph. My soul. That's right. <laughs> um, He's not actually afraid of it. It's just he has really terrible bed hair and he doesn't want anybody to find out. They describe this kind of alien as a Nordic alien. So maybe like, please do not take my picture. <laughs> <laughs> you will not be taking my picture. I wish I could do a better Swedish or like some Scandinavian accent. <laughs> my souls. Please don't take some of my souls with the cameras. Put it to waste. <laughs> That's a pretty good Toki. That's a good Toki. Well done. It's a very um, so, uh, instead of taking his photo, he requested, uh, he provide him with a blank photographic plate, which he claimed that... Yeah, I just got one in my pocket. Hold up. Yeah, yeah right. This um, is Orthon asking for this? Yeah, uh, instead of getting his photo taken. Uh, one of his associates also claimed that after Orthon left, he was able to take a plaster cast of his footprints. And the imprint contained mysterious symbols, basically just like... He, he said that it was messages from Orthon, but it was probably just like his brand of Nikes that he was wearing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just like, <laughs> you like my new Yeezys? I got them from the future. <laughs> <laughs> it is also said that Orthon returned the photographic plate in December of 52. So like a couple, like about two weeks later. Did and he had mail a, it? I guess. Uh, go to the photo lab. It's like FedEx this back to earth for me. Thanks. The rates are crazy. It's prepaid shipping. It's fine. He's an Amazon Prime member. So, he said when it was developed, it was found to contain some strange new symbols. It was during this meeting that Adamski is said to have taken a now famous photograph of Orthon's Venusian scout ship using his six-inch telescope. I assume you all have seen this picture, right? Yeah, it's a fucking vacuum cleaner. Oh, a lamp, maybe? Yeah, a surgical lamp is yeah. what I've read it most likely is. And I've also read, like, part of a chicken brooder. Mm, it's fucking hubcap. It looks like a shower head. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a back massager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's we're working to call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen enough jabs. So yeah, that was uh, his evidence of being contacted. This eventually evolved into seeing a lot of crafts. So he would start making these films. And Jesse, you talk about the films a little bit. I know you know some more about it than probably what I found. Well, like... If you are in the mood to watch some Super 8 footage of hubcaps on fishing lines in someone's backyard. Like, oh, man. like, let me put it this way. The Ed Wood influence is clear. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is some Don Dollar shit. My mm. favorite part is how this became the sort of, like, trope, if you will, for UFOs in bad movies. Oh, the, yeah, the saucer on fishing line? Yeah. Yeah, and it's not even, like, you know, like, just swinging it across, like, the frame. If you watch this video, like, let me get the title of this video, because I, I really want our listeners to go and watch this fucking video. It is on YouTube. It's called George Adamski's Rare UFO Films. It was uploaded by a guy named George Adamski's Rare UFO Films. It's a six-minute video, and about three minutes into it, you see a UFO that is 
like I said, he's not like even like dragging it like through the air across the screen like a fluid motion. It's like dangling like food in front of like a dog. Like it's just <laughs> so fucking bad. It looks like a boom mic. It's not supposed to be in the shot. Yeah. I really enjoy how in the video, uh, the camera moves right before the actual craft moves. So apparently the aliens were communicating with him through telepathy and telling him which way to point the camera just in time. Really, it wasn't telepathy. So it was cinematography. <laughs> the dark art thereof. The dark art of cinematography. <laughs> I'm not a cameraman. I'm a cinematographer. <laughs> you work for the local news. So, yeah, the video is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, this great. is what he dragged around for years claiming uh to be proof of aliens so in 1957 he received a letter signed from an re straith uh who was an alleged representative of the quote-unquote cultural exchange committee for the u.s state department um what is that like where foreign exchange students come from <laughs> but the letter said that the the u.s government knew that uh adamski had spoken to extraterrestrials in the california desert in 1952 and that a group of highly placed government officials planned on a public corroboration of Adamski's story. And, of course, George was so stoked on this. It was like, it's like Willy Wonka golden ticket. Yeah, exactly. He's like, check it out. I told you all. Look, the FBI and the State Department says my shit's real. My name in print. Yes. <laughs> Things are going to start happening for old George Adamski. <laughs> See um, that? Signed by Pete Best. <laughs> Pete Best from the State Department. <laughs> so the letter itself is kind of a doozy. Looking at it, it's just very, it's, it is on official State Department letterhead. That is astonishing to me. Like, I want some corroboration on that because this looks like, all right, Jesse. Yes. Fake a government letter and you have one minute. This is what you would come up with, okay? Someone wrote Exhibit 1. I don't think that was how the letter came. That I'm willing to assume. Anytime you see, like, a scan of a letter that was supposedly used for good purposes, and then you see Exhibit A written in Sharpie on it, it's like, oh, no, something went bad at some point. <laughs> I'm only seeing this because of a Freedom of Information Act request. So I just found um, some actual State Department letterhead from the 1950s. That's exactly what it looked like. Department of State, Washington. So it's addressed to Professor George Adomsky, uh, Star Road, Valley Center, California. And it says... Professor Adomsky, who's so sexy and has the most genius, the best UFO theories ever. Man, if I were a lady, I would sure like to marry him, embrace him, kiss him, hold his body against mine. <laughs> God damn it. Dylan, read the letter. So it is addressed to Professor George Adamsky, Star Root, comma... Valley Center, California. My dear professor, colon, for the time being, let us consider this a personal letter and not to be construed as an official communication of the on department. Official letter. <laughs> <laughs> I speak on behalf of only a part of our people here in regard to the controversial matter of the UFO. But I might add that my group has been outspoken in its criticism of official policy. We have also criticized the self-assumed role of our Air Force in usurping the role of Chief Investigating Agency on the UFO. Your own experiences will lead you to know already that the department has done its own research and has been able to arrive at a number of sound conclusions. Some of those sound conclusions include... Yeah, I saw sound conclusions! 
clues is the CBGBs. They got abducted by a bunch of saucer people. Yeah. Wow, that must have been a hell of a show. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> they opened for the Parliament fucking deli. Mother Earth is pregnant again. I told you I'd get someone pregnant, yeah. Toes curling up. Yeah, my toes be curling up. Yeah, Werner. Talking tsunamis. What? It will no doubt please you to know that the department has on file a great deal of confirmatory evidence bearing out your own claims, which, as both of us must realize... I'm sorry, this is such a dick-sucking fest. Yeah, this is a big old ego stroke. Like, no wonder he loved this. Your own experiences will lead you, and we have files confirming all your evidence. It's like, come have on. evidence confirming, parentheses, your claims. Like, Dear Sir Slash Madam, I am fed. It will not have please you to know the department has on file a great deal of confirmatory evidence bearing out your own claims, which, as both of us must realize, are controversial and have been disputed generally. <laughs> it's like, eh, like, they're not popular. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> we asked the man on the street what he thought of Professor George Adamski's UFO photos, and they said, I don't like the sound of these concentration bamps. <laughs> While certainly the department cannot publicly confirm your experiences, it can, I believe, with propriety, encourage your work and your communication of what you sincerely believe should be told to our American public. We're three paragraphs in. What is the point of this letter? It's just like, hey, you know, I just felt like letting you know, like... We're rooting for you, buddy! You're right. I felt like letting you know, off the record, but on official letterhead, that the department can't officially confirm your things, but I... I can unofficially, but on this official channel, confirm that we have reached similar conclusions to the conclusions that you have, which I will not enumerate here, as you know. Off the record, on the record. Which, by the way, sounds like something Ira Glass would host. In the event you are in Washington, I do hope that you will stop by for an informal talk. I expect to be away from Washington during the most of February, but should return by the last week in that month. Just Washington, by the way. Washington State, Washington, D.C., who knows? <laughs> Sincerely, R.E. Straight, Mrs. Cultural Exchange Committee. Sincerely, R.E. Straight, Mrs. His signature is pretty rad, though. It looks like a good bourbon. Yeah, I can see that being a bourbon. Yeah. Two years ago, that would have been a bourbon when there was that huge boom of, like, quote-unquote craft bourbons that were actually contract distilled and aged with chips and bullshit like that. Well, is R.E. Straight a real person? No. No, not that anyone can figure out. Okay, that means, number one, we can make a craft whiskey called our East Wraith and put a fucking flying saucer on the label. True. Yeah. And number two, who sent this fucking letter if our East Wraith isn't real? <laughs> E.R. Strath, actually. <laughs> it's like, they'll never catch this. Um. Hey, everyone. This is Nerds with Mikes. I'm Travis. I'm Justin. And I'm Maxwell. Nerds with Mikes is a podcast about movies, TV shows, games, technology, and Justin's mom. That's right. We'll talk about games like Siege that Justin plays every single week. Uh, a lot of movies that I love, like Alien, Aliens, Alien Resurrection. Uh, what other ones are coming out? Covenant? Who knows? Uh, and also, how about how we poop our pants and each other's pants? So, if you're interested, you can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. You can also like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram uh, by searching for Nerds with Mics. YouTube, we're at Nerds with Mics Podcast. And our website, NerdsWithMikes.com. Can't wait to plug it in your ear hole. Called the Working Man's Nerdist, Tales from the Fandom is a weekly podcast where David talks with a guest about the fandoms that they love. 
Whether it's classics like Star Trek, Star Wars and Tolkien, or new ones like Game of Thrones or Harry Potter. Anime, books, TV shows, movies, role-playing, video games, cosplay and more are discussed. Each episode is different, based on the guest. No fandom is too big or too small. Subscribe to Tales from the Fandom and join in on the fun. Hi, I'm Sarah, the host of the Salty Canadian Podcast. If you want a podcast with rants, reviews, and just having fun, then this is the podcast for you. I can be found on Facebook, Twitter, at SaltyCanadian17, Instagram, the Salty Canadian. My show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Castbox, YouTube, and Google Play Music. Hopefully, you will join me. Have a great day, eh? Hey, this is Adam Nutter. And this is Greg Trout. Come check out our podcast, Nerds with Words. Adam and I talk about pop culture, comedy, comic books, movies, conspiracies. We're both comedians and we might make you laugh. Every week we welcome a guest from the entire spectrum of pop culture and science and comedy. You can follow us on Twitter at NerdsWithWords1. Hello everyone, this is Robin Warder, host of the true crime podcast, The Trail Went Cold. If you grew up watching the classic television show Unsolved Mysteries, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I profile a new unsolved murder or missing persons case and share all the baffling details. Afterward, I provide my own personal analysis and theories about what might have happened. This is a show for true crime buffs who are fascinated by cold cases and love to discuss them and pick them apart in an attempt to figure out the truth. So be sure to check out our podcast to learn about some truly bizarre unsolved mysteries where the trail went cold. So, like, yeah, Adamski carried this thing around and claimed it to be like, this is an official acknowledgement of what I'm talking about. The government knows, but they can't say that they know. But they did say that they know, and they don't want me going public, but I'm public with it. Oh, and I, I, I'm sorry, I should point out that uh, it's signed R.E. Straith of the Cultural Exchange Committee. Is that a real committee? Why, no. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, we looked this up. <laughs> Why would it be the Cultural Exchange Committee, even if the Cultural Exchange Committee was a thing and did exist, which it did not? Well, Jesse, it's like Ava, wherein it's like Seelay. What does Seelay want? I don't know. They're a bunch of fucking, like, monoliths floating in a dark room somewhere. That's how so, the whole government works. Oh, okay, because if there's something I understand, it's anime references. But moving along... um, <laughs> I thought that was going to get a laugh. I knew where you were going with it. You I knew where it. I was going with it, but you didn't come along. Anyway. I will not follow you anywhere. <laughs> Dickhole. <laughs> Fucking Urethra Franklin. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, that was good. Five right. times in the Beatles episode, we did that shit. And each one of them was the fucking winner. But no, um, okay, anyway. Assuming the Cultural Exchange Committee existed which did not never did does not now at the department of state slash state department why would they be the ones investigating ufo shit wouldn't it be like the u.s state department united states army air corps division like something or united states state department scientific research lab well like the real question is like yeah like cultural exchange committees aside like 
is it really a State Department matter to be investigating, like, unknown, like, flying objects? Like, honestly, I would assume that the Air Force would be the people in charge of that. You know? Like, that just makes sense. Yeah. Maybe the military has a vested interest in going, who the fuck is flying over the country? Yeah, the Cultural Exchange Committee just sounds like they're the person you call when it's like, I want a speaker from Uganda for my high school. Can you hook us up? (laughs) So, yeah, he touted this as success. That, like, the government knew what he was talking about, but they couldn't acknowledge it. But he had the force of some of the United States government on his side. (laughs) But it was not real, as we have... No way! (laughs) <laughs> what? Plot twist! In 2002, yeah, an yeah. ufologist, James W. Mosley... Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, ...revealed that the letter was, in fact, a hoax. <laughs> As a joke... Wait, 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 He got punked by another saucer nerd? Yeah! <laughs> That's, like, something we would do on this show. Like, <laughs> Let's write a secret letter to secret transmission and then, like, have them go along with it. But then, like, come out and he said in, this in 2002 is when he announced that this was a fake. He waited until 50 years after this dude died? Wait, hang on. Dan, I'm seeing my source here says that after the death of uh, Gray Barker in 84, uh, that's when Mosley confessed that he and Barker had written that letter uh, on official stationery that a friend of Barker's who had connections in the government had gotten them the letterhead. Hold on. Let me look at the citation for this. All right. Um, Because it says 2002 right here. Tonight on Crossfire. (laughs) It has it in a book that I can't read, so. It's okay. I can't read either. Written in 2002. Shockingly close to the truth, exclamation point. Confessions (laughs) of a grave-robbing ufologist. Wait, did he say a grave-robbing ufologist? Yes. I need to buy this fucking book now. That sounds like the coolest fucking book I will ever read. (laughs) Yes, the novelization of Plan 9 from Outer space. Oh my god! Yeah! <laughs> Written by <laughs> Carl T. Flock. Grave robbers from outer space. But he couldn't call it that because a bunch of Baptists had financed the film. Yes. And if you mention grave robbing around Baptists, they melt. It's blasphemy. Oh, it's just a curse that was laid down upon them ages ago. It's a long story. <laughs> um, so it was revealed that this letter was a hoax. And Mosley also what? wrote what? that the... Uh, <laughs> Like, Adamski was getting letters from the FBI telling him to stop. Like, dude, stop saying that you have the government support. You don't. We don't know who you are. (laughs) Now, according to your source, it wasn't revealed until 50 years later in 2002 that it was a hoax. Uh, Well, not a hoax, a a fucking hilarious prank played on him by fellow nerds. So (laughs) what what did the FBI think? Like, where the fuck did he get this letter? They probably just looked up the roster of the State Department and were like, there's nobody named Ari Strait here. This is clearly a fucking fake. Yeah, like, did they think that he forged it? Or did they, like, if they didn't know it was a prank, they must have thought that he was forging it. And forging federal letterhead, I imagine, is some sort of a federal crime. Oh, yeah, no, the FBI investigated the case and discovered that the letter was a hoax. But they decided not to press charges. Why? (laughs) Mosley or Gray Barker. 
So when the FBI learned of Adamski's claims, three agents were sent to grill him, and he denied ever having stated that the FBI or the the United States Air Force intelligence supported his claim, even though his remarks were reported in a local newspaper. Um, He agreed to sign a letter that stated he, quote, understood the implications of making a false claim, end quote, and that the FBI, quote, did not endorse the claims of individuals. So they made him write on a fucking chalkboard like Bart Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) all right george 100 times please you can't use the music bar scriber you have to use it by hand (laughs) um and the the three fbi agents they also signed the letter and then a copy was given to adomsky so it was pretty official that like dude knock it off all right like you can't say that the government is telling you that this is cool when it's not and you're an idiot. <laughs> so yeah, knock it off, nerd. However, a few months later, Tomsky went to tell an interview that he had been, quote, cleared by the FBI and displayed this letter as proof. So fuck you, federal government. I'm going to keep doing my story. And like, it's like, dude, we gave you a pretty good pass. We're being really cool right now. <laughs> We're not known for doing that. We're the government. Yeah. Like, we could have had you killed months ago. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I will not allow that kind of slander on my show, Daniel. It's disappeared. You're right. Black <laughs> Relocated. There you go. I um, live on a farm upstate. Playing with other ufologists. He is in a mental ward right now with a scar on his forehead, still eating acid. <laughs> but yeah, it's like the it's FBI is like, dude, we're being really cool and you're being a dick. So can you stop that? So actually, you know what did him in? Was it aliens? The Los Angeles Better Business Bureau. <laughs> what? The Los Angeles Better Business Bureau complained about his false claims. No, hang on. The fucking scam artists who scam businesses by pretending they're a government agency came down on this guy? <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first, folks. The Better Business Bureau, not a government agency, will literally give you any grade you want as long as you pay their fee. Sweet. Yo, can we get an A grade on this show? You know what? Probably. We're a business. People are paying us to tell dick jokes about aliens now. Well. Patreon.com slash podcast 1289. Five stars on iTunes. Thank you. Because, like, every time you see, like, some scam, like, vector marketing or any kind of, like, multi-level marketing scam like that, they always point out, like, Oh, no, see, we're legit. We're not a scam. We have a day plus from the Better Business Bureau. That's a me thinks the lady doth protest too much kind of thing. Hi, Mr. Me thinks. Look at me. You're about to tell me the Zagat's a fraud now, too, aren't you? <laughs> it is. <laughs> is I, it? I have no Zagat idea. reviews read really passive aggressively because they use a lot of quotes in between everything because their reviews <laughs> are stemmed from all the other readers. So it's like entrees were, quote, enjoyable. They just come <laughs> off really sarcastic. <laughs> I'm going to find a Zagat review for Girl and the Goat in Chicago, a pretty popular restaurant. This is how they read. Stephanie Isard's, quote, genius vision defies this, quote, hopping West Loop, quote, star known for, quote, life-altering small plates that both, quote, fun uses of, quote, familiar ingredients and more, quote, adventurous options, quote, the pig face is a must. Plus, quote, amazing bread and butter, the, quote, I demand for the reservations keeps it, quote, packed with people, but, quote, <laughs> strong cocktails. Strong cocktails. And a staff that, quote, <laughs> makes you feel special, helps ease the inevitable, quote, <laughs> long wings. <laughs> I wonder if Dorcia has... <laughs> Is Dorcia real? No. Nobody goes there anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, Zagat's is bullshit. But anyway, so after oh. the Better Business Bureau complained about Adamski, more FBI agents were sent to retrieve Adamski's copy of the letter. It was the men in black! They came for me and my paper! I really like how you didn't do the Jesse Ventura voice because he wasn't born yet. I was just an itch in my dad's pants. <laughs> A twinkle in the old man's eyes. Vince hadn't yet fired me for wanting to unionize. So after the Better Business Bureau complained, the FBI sent more agents to retrieve his copy of the letter, and then they, quote, read the riot act to him and warned him that legal action would be taken if he continued to claim that the FBI or the government supported his stories. And then Adamski later said that the FBI had, quote, warned him to keep him quiet. So continuing to piss in the face of the federal government being really cool with him. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You think this doesn't happen? You want to keep buying the government line, Daniel? Well, me and my feather boa say otherwise. <laughs> body, like, seriously? No, this isn't body talking. This is the mind talking now. He was originally Jesse the Great Ventura. I was the only Ventura. It was redundant. So, yeah, like... He was being a dick to the FBI when they were being really cool to him. And he still told them, like, yeah, they're telling me to keep quiet. But, you know, you can't can't silence Adamski. You can't. He was a patriot. He was full of shit. <laughs> he died in 65 at the age of 74 of a heart attack after giving a lecture uh, in Maryland. And he's actually uh, buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Um, yeah, he was in the military, right? Yeah, so could that also give some credence that uh, maybe he was telling the truth? Wrong credence, I'm sorry. But yeah, no, he was in the military. He uh, fought on the Mexican border during the Pancha Villa expedition. So that's George Adamski. I... This guy is, like, we've been, like, kind of deferential, I would say, to guys like Boas in the past. Boas. 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 (laughs) Exactly. Because he was boss, and he didn't try to profit off of his story to our knowledge. Same with, um... Tom Arson. Point is, though, you know, this guy is just, he screams con man. He's got the royal order of Tibet, and man, like, fucking, this motherfucker didn't know where Tibet was. What was the guy's last name? Adam, Adam, Adams. Yes. The guy I've been talking about for the was, past goddamn the, hour. He was <laughs> the NSA agent who defected to the USSR during the Snake Eater mission. That's a Tibetan last name, right? Adamski? I think it's by way of India, actually. Yes. Tibet's really secluded historically because it's real hard to get to. Sure, it's on the plateau. Isn't yeah. it also, like, quote-unquote, not existed according to the Chinese? Well, that's yeah. like the, the Chinese government is like, no, it was never an autonomous country, and more to the point, it's ours now. Where did Marco syndicalist commune. Oh, in charge of the country. Well, fuck you. No, he's not, because we said so. And then they get pissy at us every time somebody has the Dalai Lama over in the United States to be like, hey, we should all be nice to each other, maybe. Dalai Lama also wants to reinstate uh, dictatorship and slavery, so fuck him. He does? Yeah, dude. What do well, you think the thing is, like, Tibet, if in fact the Dalai Lama is in charge of everything, then it is a de facto theocracy. Yeah, the Dalai Lama can lick all of my balls. All of them? How many you got? Dalai Lama's a dick. Fuck the Dalai Lama. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.